0: A look at the enrollment statistics shows a decrease over the past few years. Behind-the-scenes chronicle coverage of Lori Lightfoot's acceptance speech from multimedia and staff reporters, and how students can be interested in science and art at the same time while at Columbia. So
1: what Columbia looks like! This is what Columbia looks
0: like! Published
2: since 1973.
3: I'll give my life for this cause. And I will die
4: for this cause. This is Chronicle Headlines.
3: Staff reporters from the Columbia Chronicle, Alexandra Yutter and Knox Kieran, um recently wrote a story about enrollment at Columbia, and here they are today to talk to us a little bit about that.
0: Can you guys start by telling us a little bit about the enrollment? You know, has it increased, has it decreased? What have you learned?
2: Well, from fall semester to this current spring semester, it has decreased, but not at a rate that we've seen over the past couple years. The total enrollment for the college between fall 2018 and this semester went down 9.2%.
0: Where did you find your statistics at? Like, what place were you looking in?
2: The college does um, semester by semester institutional effectiveness reports, and it breaks down student
3: demographics, how many are enrolled, what they're enrolled in, that sort of stuff. Mhm. And did you find like why this is happening? Is there a reason for it?
4: Um I think that the biggest reasons for uh enrollment decreases um I I spoke to Michael Joseph earlier uh today and he was uh yeah. <laughs>
2: From the the people that I spoke to, they were talking about how there's not enough scholarships, not enough financial aid, and then um, also that the Columbia environment isn't as friendly as people might expect it to be.
4: Also, tuition continues to increase um, most recently by about $500.
0: Programs have been cut recently, that sort of stuff. Now, touching on the tuition increase, is that due to the lack of enrollment?
2: Yeah, if there's not enough students enrolling here, that means this college is losing a major source of income. So they have to make up for that by raising current students' tuition.
3: Mm-hmm. And um, you mentioned that they said the campus isn't as friendly as it seems. Could you like talk a little bit about that? Like, mm-hmm. So for the Mark
2: Rosati and Michael Joseph's new marketing campaign, they're trying to go into communities where we can bring in more diverse students. And uh, those students from diverse backgrounds, based on ethnicity or culture or income, they come here and they aren't really getting what they're promised in those marketing campaigns. There's either not enough diversity in the faculty or not enough um, diversity in the actual classes and programs that are offered here.
3: And
4: Michael Joseph said that diversity is is one of the numbers, especially in African and American and Hispanic populations, that he looks to increase. Um, as well as international student populations here at Columbia.
3: And did they say how they kind of, like, go about increasing, like, certain minority groups in the population? Or
2: Yeah, um, mainly through marketing campaigns or... Um I don't remember what it's called, but in high schools when colleges would come in and do like a booth at college. Yeah, recruitments. So they're like targeting specific areas, specifically um, Chicago and Chicago public schools to bring in more students from CPS.
4: Also, um, partnering with community colleges and bringing in transfer students has been a big thing for uh, Columbia College, especially I know that we're at – Last year we had about seven hundred transfer students, and uh, Michael Joseph said he looks to get this number to about a thousand um, soon. Um, transfer students from community colleges like Wabanasi, well, yeah, co-
2: Wabonzi Community Wabonsi College, Wabanzi Community <laughs> College.
4: Thank yeah. you. Um, which we recently uh, updated our our transfer agreement with.
0: And mm-hmm. touching on transfer. Um, students, you know, are either one of you transfers. You know, what was it about the school that made you enroll? And is that something that Columbia should continue to keep doing to increase their enrollment? Yeah, transfer. <laughs>
4: I'm, I'm actually a transfer student. Yes, and uh, I, I came here because um, it was an art school that was attractive to me because of its diversity, because of its cityscape, and I think that Columbia can continue to. Um, get transfers, not just from those community colleges, because I transferred from, four uni- or from two-year institutions, because I transferred from a four-year institution. And uh, Michael Joseph said that he's trying to target people at four-year institutions as well, but that's a little more difficult because you can't actually recruit at those places, obviously.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I would actually, um, I'm actually a transfer student as well um, from a four-year university. Um, and when, like Columbia, it just obviously like the location and the opportunities. Um, that's basically why I was attracted to it. Um, and I'd say they actually, cause I was going to school in Michigan at the time and they actually had somebody come out to me um, from the admissions office and like they paid for a dinner and everything just so I could like ask questions and um, they could talk to me about what I was like looking for. Um So I think they, like, doing more of that, um, that's how they're getting a lot of transfers as well.
0: Mm -hmm. Do you think that they're doing a good job with their recruitment? Um, Are they, should they be doing more? You know, I, like I said, I was also a transfer student. I found Columbia on my own.
4: Yeah, I found uh, Columbia on my own as well. And I think that they could um, continue to market out of state, which they're doing a lot of, and they're expecting to see Their out-of-state applicant numbers rise uh, significantly but I think they should focus continue to focus more on on Chicago um, communities as well as getting those uh, out-of-state out-of-staters to come here Um, I think it's important that they have a solid base in the place that they are which is which is Chicago
0: Mm -hmm. and how do you think that they could increase their minority population
2: Um, So I spoke to the Asian Student uh, Organization and the Black Student Union's um, Leadership Council, and they both mentioned that Columbia needs to offer more diverse um, program requirements, such as an Asian Studies minor, or just increase the diversity in faculty, because it was Dorian Mays, the Vice President of Marketing for BSU, he mentioned that he never sees... um, black or african-american faculty especially in departments and having that um, connection and visibility to your faculty can make you wanna stay here make you wanna have your friends from back home come here and just increasing what students are looking for
0: so you know let's get into those diversity numbers tell us what you guys found and learned
2: yeah so across ethnicities for the institutional effectiveness report they looked at um, enrollment among Hispanic, Asian, Black slash African American, and um, White, and um, Undocumented students, and in every single one of oh, and Native American students, um, but in every single one of those categories, it went up pretty significantly, except for Black and African American students, which went down by four point
0: two percent. And was there any investigation as to why
4: um i talked to michael joseph and he was really disappointed with this number um he he couldn't really give me a reason uh one or two reasons why this happened i I think that one of the biggest reasons is that we that columbia um i mean tuition continues to go up but um we haven't recruited in In Chicago, as much as we need to, and he talked about recruiting at CPS, Chicago Public Schools, more, and how that will, um, how they hope to increase enrollment uh, among African American students here with the with that, but also offering those programs that Alexander talked about, um, those attractive programs to um, minority groups, um, and and things like that.
2: Yeah, when I spoke to um, the BSU community chair, Isaiah Moore, he wasn't surprised that black and African-American students are the only one to go down. He essentially said to me that, you know, the college will market to the black community by putting their pictures on the pamphlets, but once they get those students to come here, they don't really offer that diversity that Columbia is, like— Making itself a hallmark of, and that leads them to transfer out or to leave the school. Mm
4: -hmm. Yeah, so it's like an empty promise to these uh, African American students Mm -hmm. with their marketing campaigns, which just you know shows an African American on, like you said, a pamphlet or a or their their home screen, yeah, or Facebook website, and uh, then they come to the school and are unpleasantly surprised by. The actual diversity here.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that obviously seems to not be enough. You know, um, what could be enough? What could keep these students here?
4: I think um, things like DEI, which I can't think of the name diversity, of.
0: Diversity,
2: equity, and <laughs> inclusion <laughs> office.
4: I think that uh, um, the introduction of the diversity, equity, and and inclusion office. Um, will help to bolster that diversity and and help to um, recruit more black and African-American students not only recruit but but hold up our end of the promise and give them that diverse faculty and those um, and diverse programs that they need and uh, I think that DEI will help to which was just introduced recently will help to increase those numbers.
2: Yeah, it's so recent that their initiatives are still in progress. So I think over the coming semesters, as we see enrollment go up, we're also going to see diversity go up. And also, um, from the interviews I've done, they're asking for, like I said, more faculty and more administrators who are diverse. And we just had Marcella Davis introduced at the college. She's going to be the new provost. She's a Black and African-American woman. So just keeping on that track is going to really help.
3: All right, that's it for this story. Thank you to Alexandra Yetter and Knox Kieranen from the Columbia Chronicle for covering the enrollment story. I'm Kendall Polidori. I'm Yasmin Shika. And stay
0: tuned for more stories. And now on to our next story with Ethan Sandok and Kendall Polidori to talk with us about their news coverage. Ethan, let's start with you.
5: Uh, yeah, so myself and Steven Nunez are uh, one of our staff photographers. Uh, went out to Lori Lightfoot's um, campaign party where she would either be delivering her victory or concession speech. And uh, we were just there to kind of capture what went on. What we, uh, what we put out that night was uh, capturing Lori Lightfoot's uh, full victory speech.
0: Yeah, that's not the only thing we captured. Let's talk a little bit about that jolt at the end of the video. Now, did you get scared? Because, you know, a lot of people were saying that you got scared. Tell us what happened there, oh, just 100%. out of curiosity. Um,
5: so if you uh, if you check out the video on uh, the Columbia Chronicles YouTube page, a little sh- shameless plug, but um, you, can, uh, you can totally see she's uh, wrapping it up. It's been, you know, a full... Um, 18 minutes and 49 seconds of, uh, really moving stuff. And, um, I don't know why I wasn't expecting it, but, uh, the, the confetti cannons really threw me off guard. <laughs> and, uh, so, um, we got there and of course being student journalists, we, uh, are given, you know, the lowest priority. So, um, there are usually, you know, some... Raised um, platforms for camera people so that you can get up above everybody standing and get nice clean shots but uh, that wasn't the case so I was standing next to it uh, because they were all full and nobody was moving and uh, so I had to pull my tripod up like full extension on the legs and uh, put it on top of my gear bag and everything just to clear everybody so it was very uh, not super stable um, so long as I was holding it but you know confetti cannons go off I jump the camera shakes and uh that's the uh easily one of the best parts of the video
0: (laughs) yeah now talking about this video you know how many views did it get because from what I've seen it's Uh, done pretty well
5: so currently it is sitting at uh 3029 so anybody listening wants to add one view and be that 30th Get us over that little mark let's
0: get over that mark let's be the most watched video
5: here at the chronicle we're about transparency yes so we wanted to give a give the people everything that she said from start to finish
0: right now kendall let's get to you you know what what did you do to cover the election
3: yeah so on um april 2nd i actually did some coverage for wcrx um and that day i went out um Near, like, the Boys Town and Lakeview area. And I basically just walked around and went to different businesses, polling places, um, you know, asked people on the street. Um, I did some interviews with just random people there who, you know, about if they were voting. um, If they were comfortable, I had them tell me who they were voting for. We talked about some of the major issues that influenced their vote. and I, we also included like some advice that they would ha- like say to the person that they were voting for, but a lot of people just didn't want to talk about it because mm-hmm. I got a lot of people say that um, they were like you know tired from the whole election and like they voted but they really just don't feel like talking about it anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it was shut down by a couple of people, but the people that I was able to talk to. Um, they had a lot of great things to say. Um, I thought it was really awesome just to go out and talk to a bunch of different people, you know, that I wouldn't have otherwise. Um, and you know, I got actually it, it was basically half and half. Like some people were for Tony, but then you know, some people were for Lori, um, and everyone really had different reasons as to why they chose the person that they did. So.
0: mm mm-hmm. Now, talking about, you know, why they wouldn't speak, you know, this is a little off topic. I always compare it to, you know, those people in the mall that mm-hmm. they try to, you know, you want a free hair sample. Yeah, and, and yeah. yeah
3: and I definitely understand because, you know, if I'm walking down the street, like, I have somewhere I'm going, you know, like, I I really don't feel like talking to a random person. So I definitely understand that because I feel like, you know... That's happened to me before where I'm the person that somebody, you know, wants to ask a question and I'm like, no, I don't have time. So, or they just
0: keep
1: walking. Yeah.
3: So I definitely understand where people are coming from. So I like I give a huge shout out to people that are actually willing to, like, talk to a random journalism student right. and, you know, give them five minutes. It was really nice.
1: hmm.
0: Yeah. So, you know, what are some other things that you experienced the day of the election, you guys? You know, maybe, Ethan, did, did you start something that you want to touch on that you didn't speak about?
5: Um. Well, yeah, I guess, like, it was interesting because, like, I guess this is my first job in, I guess, actual professional journalism. Um, and so I've never really had sort of the access to an event like this. Um, I mean, first off, I had never been, I don't think, in a room that was as fancy and as beautiful as the, the grand ballroom in the Hilton, but uh, to be just, like, around that many people kind of who were there for the same cause, um, the cause being Lori Lightfoot, um, and then to see, you know, the coverage start as the uh, the polls closed and all the numbers got uh, were being reported, um, the uh like the first time that they reported on uh the polls it was like ten percent of like all of uh all the numbers coming in and it was a pretty close race for like that first one. And then like literally the next time it updated it was like seventeen percent reporting in and Lightfoot shot ahead and everybody just erupted and like where there was high fives and cheers and tears and everything in between and then just to kind of see that continue i mean that huge lead that she had um she held like a pretty like steady 74 ish percent through the entirety of uh of the night and then to uh then i guess like we were all kind of waiting around to hear her talk and -hmm. give her victory speech um and then somebody came out um, from her team, and said, You know, uh, just giving you a little update. Um, we're waiting for, you know, Tony Preckwinkle to um, give her concession speech before we start. And I thought that was pretty, uh, pretty, I guess, it was a, a classy move mm-hmm. just to like wait and let Preckwinkle say what she needed to say um, or that she wanted to say before, you know, getting up there and like. Hell yeah, I won. <laughs>
0: yeah, I mean, I mean, like it's understandable, but um, you know, of those speeches, was there anything that really stuck out to you?
5: Um, yeah, I mean, like there was a couple people that spoke beforehand, and it was all awesome. There was like an eight-year-old girl up there who was like part of Tony's, uh, Tony's, uh, Lori's team. Um, and uh she was saying how you know she wanted to be the next president of the united states or you know not i guess not the next one but when she was old enough um (laughs) and that was really awesome and then she proceeded to end her speech and then give her entire speech again but in spanish um that was pretty cool um but then also like i found myself kind of like honestly, like, getting a little teary-eyed a couple times during uh, Lightfoot's speech just because, like, she genuinely sounded like, I don't know, she sounded like, I guess, the least kind of politician-y, mm-hmm. that I, the least politician e politician that I've ever heard speak, and it seemed like it was coming from a genuine place when she was mm-hmm. talking about, you know, the things that she wants to do for the city.
3: Mm-hmm. And yeah. I I think it's, like, a very surreal feeling um being a journalism student and being part of a historical event like this and on February 26th um I was able to go to an election night party um and just like being put in that situation where like you know like I belong here and I I'm being chosen to give this story to other people and it's just crazy because you know when we leave here we'll be able to say you know like I talked to people for this election. I made stories for this election. And that's, you know, this is a historic election. It's going to be talked about for years after this. So I think it's just a really awesome thing to be a part of.
0: Well, thank you both for coming in and talking about your election experience. That's all for this story, but stay tuned for more. And now for the final story for Chronicle Headlines this week, we are here with Bridget Ekes to talk to us about a teaser for the story she's writing. So Bridget, let's dive right into it. What are you writing? Hi,
1: um, I'm writing a story about students who have a biology minor at Columbia and they're looking to pursue a career in science instead of a career in art. Um, I came about this story because I'm in a genetics class with um, a professor named Julie and she was talking about some alumni that have done the same thing. So I was kind of inspired and curious Sitting there, being like, I wonder if there are current students who want to go on to do medical slash science type careers. And actually, two of them were in my class. So I was like, I think this is something that needs to be talked about.
0: Mm-hmm. You know, um, because biology isn't an actual major here. You know, what made you specifically want to jump on biology?
1: Um, it's not like necessarily biology focused, mm-hmm. but it it just made me curious because I feel like. After speaking with the people for the story and, like, getting a general consensus of people in art school, I feel like we try to separate art and science a lot. And, like, sometimes Columbia students can kind of, like, roll their eyes to have to take a science course. Right. Um, But for a lot of these students, they ended up taking science courses and getting more intrigued um, by the science faculty at Columbia. And then... Some of them just stumbled upon the minor. They took so many science classes because they were interested, and then they were like, oh, I only need two more classes to get a minor. Like, let's do it. Mm-hmm. And then sometimes they hear about like alumni that go into like science and medical careers, such as like medical illustration or scientific illustration, um, that kind of like fuse the two together. So,
0: mm-hmm. what is um, medical and illustration? If you can give us a little.
1: From what I've learned, medical illustration is what, like, doctors and surgeons use to base off um, their knowledge about the body. So, for instance, I was given an example of, like, the veins in the heart. If you were to photograph them, they would have to be dissected, taken out of the body, and then they actually wouldn't be in the same form as they would be existing in the body. So medical illustrators are there to kind of help you understand, like, smaller, still realistic images of the body, but give you a better like ability to learn about the body from a realistic point of view in a drawing. Mm -hmm.
3: So did these students that you talked to, um, did they come to Columbia with the like intention to do something in the science department Um, or area?
1: Not necessarily. I think only one of them I spoke with, she came in knowing that she enjoyed animation and she also wanted to do science. And I believe she was the only one who, like, her freshman year was like, is this a thing? Like, she was, around, like, asking around, like, is biology minor, like, a thing? That's something, like, I can do. Um, but no, most of them kind of, like, just enjoyed their time taking science classes at Columbia, and then they realized that they can use science and art together. So I think it's pretty unique that a lot of them didn't come in with intentions of, like, coming out on a science track. But a lot of them are upset that they went to Columbia. They're, they're not like, oh, I hate Columbia because it's only arts-based. You know, a lot of them enjoyed their time here and like they're happy that they chose to come here. Even one student that I talked to, he's transferring out this semester um, because he wants to go into neurosurgery, which is like incredibly challenging, a lot of schooling. But when asked if he was like upset that he went to Columbia, he was like, no, I'm happy. I really liked the community and I, I really liked the school. Just at this time, it doesn't like meet my criteria. Mm-hmm. And for some students getting a biology minor, a lot of them want to go into master's programs. And even if they get the biology minor, it doesn't fill out all the scientific requirements that are for these master's programs. right. So they have to take classes at UIC, they have to take classes at like Harold Washington, community colleges because Columbia doesn't offer like cadaver classes. Columbia doesn't have like a cadaver license, so we can't like dissect humans. Um, So, if anything, I think that's one kind of, like, setback for them is that sometimes they have to, like, take a gap year and then, like, fill in more science requirements before they're able to apply to master's programs. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Do you know how many options, like, Columbia has, like, for the science department or, like, area? Like, what, how many minors we have here?
1: I believe only two There's environmental science and there's biology, Okay. but I know that they are working towards more, and I believe they're trying to do a major as well.
0: Mm -hmm. Your friend that you said is transferring out for neurosurgery, you said? Mm -hmm. Yeah, was was that their initial major? No,
1: uh, his initial major was um, contemporary music, so it's the cup program. Oh, okay. Contemporary and urban pop music and he was going in because he could play multiple instruments and he really liked you know, music and he loved mm. music, but he said that at a certain point he was kind of just doing music to get a grade and it became stressful for him and he felt like that like stunted his creative ability, so he was like, if I'm doing this and I'm getting stressed and I'm just doing it for a grade, then I don't think it's necessarily meant for me.
0: Now, did they choose this new major because of the science classes here at Columbia?
1: um some yes and some no i think a lot of them just had a good experience in their science courses at columbia because Mm -hmm. for instance like if you take intro to biology here if you take like genetics if you take microbiology like whatever class you take it's like columbia class sizes are small so you're learning in a small environment so you get more independent attention and it's specific to you, whether if you were to take it at a larger school, sometimes you can kind of get lost and not feel as comfortable asking questions or being
0: inquisitive about it. Mm-hmm. And talking with um, Columbia faculty, you know, who, who did you speak to for this story?
1: Um, Victoria Can. she's an instructor in biology and um, my genetics teacher, Julie Minuble, she also teaches um, biology, um, sensation and perception and genetics hmm and have you talked to any alumni about this yeah I've talked to two one's name is Elizabeth Moss and they have gone on to do medical illustration the other one is Mina Fang she is pursuing her second bachelor's in neuroscience at Loyola and she'll be graduating this May and then attending University of Illinois at Chicago for the PhD program in the learning sciences so she's going into like the science of learning And
3: did those two also say, like, they had, like, a pretty good experience at Columbia?
1: Yeah. Everyone I've talked to didn't have a negative connotation about Columbia. They loved their experience that they had, and they are really happy that they chose to come here, even if their science opportunities may have been more limited if they went to a different school.
0: Now, is there anything else that you would like to say about the story? You know, you're giving us a little teaser. What could we specifically expect out of this story when it's you know, release to us?
1: Um, Yeah, I think going into it, read it with an open mind and try not to put people in boxes because these students have other interests such as drawing, writing personal stories, journaling, animating. Like, they exist outside of what their career path is. And I think that what I've learned from them is that separating science from art And putting these people in boxes and putting your abilities in boxes isn't necessarily the way to go.
0: Well, thank you, Bridget, for coming and speaking with us today. Um, Yeah, my pleasure. Yeah, we're looking forward to your story coming out next week. Thank you all for tuning into this week's episode of Chronicle Headlines. You can check out all of these stories and more in our print edition available on campus on our website, columbiachronicle.com, and our additional coverage on social media. We are at C.C. Chronicle on Twitter, Instagram, and Snapchat, and The Chronicle on Facebook and YouTube. Chronicle Headlines is made possible with the collaboration of our staff of the Columbia Chronicle and WCRX-FM, Chicago's Underground, under the leadership of the Communications Department of Columbia College Chicago, Suzanne McBride, Chair. Chronicle Headlines is produced and hosted by Blaise Mesa, Kendall Paladori, and Yasmin Chica.